I think that it's the approachability that sort of is inherent in the project and just kind of the cuteness of it that takes a lot of the fear out. That's the kind of short-term immediate reason, right? The longer-term reason is that we're living in a world that's increasingly driven by lottery ticket wins. You don't want to work at a job. You want to win the lottery. And I don't mean the lottery like the actual lottery. I mean, like, you want to get lucky in some way that gives you a windfall of cash that makes it so you don't really have to work anymore. Reality is actually an anchor that weighs on assets. And to the degree that you are real is to the degree that you are hampered by that reality. So Dogecoin doesn't have that problem. Again, like, Bitcoin doesn't have that problem either in a lot of ways. Dogecoin doesn't have that problem to the nth degree. Welcome to Opinionated with Ben Schiller. Ben is a features editor at Coindesk. He's a seasoned business journalist, and he'll be talking with some of the most fascinating contributors to Coindesk Daily opinion section. Today's show is sponsored by Interpop and the Sun Exchange. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Opinionated. My name is Ben Schiller. I'm the opinion editor here at Coindesk. And today we're joined by two uh, co-hosts uh, in a new format we're experimenting with. We're joined by Anna Badikova, who's joining us from uh, Moscow, Russia. Hi, Anna. Hey. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Ben? Good, good. Thank you. And uh, Danny Nelson, who's a staff writer here at uh, Coindesk, and he's joining us from uh, New York City, I think. Hi, Danny. Yes, New York City. You've been moving around a bit, but now I finally settled down in Brooklyn. How's your day going so far? You know, I woke up at 7 a.m., discovered that Dogecoin was still a thing. So <laughs> that's always a great way to start a day. The joke cryptocurrency that is ruling our lives right now. Can't ignore it. It's a big, big thing. We're going to discuss the Dogecoin phenomenon with a very special guest here. We have Adam Levine, who's the head of podcasts at Coindesk. Um, as well as being big into podcasts, uh, he's a very experienced person in this industry and can talk about the sort of long history of crypto development. And now, Adam, you wrote a very interesting op-ed last week for Coindesk comparing Bitcoin and, and Dogecoin. Do you want to just sort of summarize what your position was there? I mean, effectively, you were saying we should take this seriously, even if our sort of motivation is to not take it seriously, we should take it seriously because it is a phenomenon and it's been taken up by brands and it's become a thing. Do you want to summarize that? Yeah. So thanks, Ben. Doge is definitely an interesting kind of part of the crypto ecosystem. In a lot of ways, it kind of parallels where sort of the Bitcoin story, it has actually a surprising number of similarities insofar as they both were started as effectively like an experiment. <laughs> they both were abandoned by their founders pretty quickly. And they both kind of continued on despite that, because there was some type of, I think, consensus around them. My argument in the article is that basically that consensus around Bitcoin is that it's stable moneyness. If you're looking for a cryptocurrency or you're looking for some type of asset in which to store some sort of value, Bitcoin is historically volatile from like a like day to day perspective. But over the long term, it's done pretty darn well. So a couple of years ago, I did a series of interviews with a gentleman named uh, Alex Gladstein from the Human Rights Foundation. And we basically did a, a series of interviews talking with people from kind of all around the world, from different emerging markets and different places where sort of Bitcoin was being used and was found to be useful. And I went into that with the assumption that although Bitcoin was the biggest and the oldest cryptocurrency, it wasn't actually the cryptocurrency that was going to be, you know, like the one that was kind of most popular there. Because in large part, 
the amount of expense that comes from using something like Bitcoin because it's so secure, because it's this global phenomenon, doesn't really match up well with kind of local value scales. What I discovered was that because of on the one side, sort of it's the oldest and most obvious choice. And on the other side, that then creates sort of liquidity for it that makes it so that it's very easy to trade in and out of. That had kind of created a consensus where even in these markets where you might think that it's just too expensive to work, Bitcoin was still it in about 90% of situations. So, you know, you take that and you look at Doge and Doge kind of has a similar dynamic going on. There are lots of cryptocurrencies that have started with all sorts of value propositions, but Doge is the earliest one that was really all about kind of meme culture and really largely a joke. And so over the years, uh, again, like from a technical standpoint, from a monetary policy standpoint, kind of all of those things about Doge, not particularly appealing, but as a joke tied to, you know, the Shibu Inu and just kind of that very kind of cute set of memes that surround that community. It's been really cool. And, uh, and a lot of people have sort of found affinity with it. Now, these people used to be, you know, like just random people, right? Like uh, Rob Mitchell, uh, my deputy editor, did an interview with an early community member who goes by Penguino talking about sort of the fun nature of it and kind of in the early days. But there was this long period of time from about 2014 to call it 2020, where nobody really paid much attention to Doge. And it was still there in the background. You really can't kill cryptocurrencies. They tend to continue on really irrespective of whether they should or not. But there wasn't a lot of excitement around that. But as sort of Bitcoin has risen, as the crypto sector broadly has risen, I think, again, you get back to that, well, how do you pick which coin to buy? And, you know, amongst all of the ones that are out there, and a lot of people increasingly are, are picking Dogecoin, again, not for the monetary reasons, but because they think it's a funny joke. And in our world today, maybe that's even better than money for some people. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I think that's a very brilliant way of kind of intellectualizing the phenomenon. You're essentially saying that people want to invest in Dogecoin because other people are investing in Dogecoin. And for a similar reason, Bitcoin has been successful. Now, Joe Wiesenthal, who's an important Economist at Bloomberg was writing today, basically uh, taking the piss out of people trying to intellectualize this phenomenon. And he says that the whole point of Dogecoin is really its pointlessness and it is sort of Bitcoin minus all the what he calls virtue signaling. So, all that kind of Gladstone sort of stuff about like Bitcoin equaling freedom and so on and so forth. This is really just an asset that people are having fun playing with in the same way that they played with GameStop. And we really shouldn't just sort of look too deeply and seriously into this. Isn't the kind of joke on us in trying to intellectualize this? Aren't we made to look rather stupid by this phenomenon? And uh, shouldn't we just shut up and just appreciate it? <laughs> so I think that's an interesting point. I was just thinking that it's funny how Wiesenthal is striking right in the heart of this major motivation of many crypto investors who basically invest because they see numbers go up. And in that sense, you know, when Wiesenthal says buying Dogecoin was the better move than buying Bitcoin for the recent seven years, he's right. Like, if that is your main reason to be in crypto because you see numbers go up, yes, you probably should have been buying Dogecoin all this time. Maybe if you think of other reasons like the security of technology, the privacy, financial sovereignty, and so on and so forth, you might choose something else. But who actually cares about those things, right? I mean, it comes back to consensus. You know, like the thing that Bitcoin has going for it is that it's the obvious choice. If you want kind of those attributes that we were talking about. Dogecoin, that wasn't really the case. Call it, you know, six months ago, right? Even four months ago. Like this is a new phenomenon. And the thing about it is that when a project lacks consensus, 
right? When everybody's looking around and saying, what do I invest in and picking different things? Well, those things tend to be pretty cheap because it's a big, big risk because there's no real consensus around it. Now, and so far this year, we've seen a meaningful consensus emerge, you know, with increasing numbers of large companies. Yesterday, we saw Snickers jumping in uh, to, uh, you know, the trend that it seems like Slim Jim started and basically trying to, to kind of hitch their wagon to like a funny internet moment to then capitalize on that and kind of grow their brand. So I think that like, that's the difference is that sure, people who invested in Doge look like geniuses now, but if you were doing it for the prior six years, you don't look particularly smart during that time. And of those people who had been investing in Doge towards the beginning of the year, I really wonder how many of them held on to 45 cents because these are these prices are wild. And we see that, you know, when people see 2000% gains, 3000% gains, you know, on their holdings, most people tend to take some profit, if not kind of sell out of the position broadly. So again, in hindsight, it's a lot easier to look at this and say, well, you know, you should have just done that. But from a risk management standpoint, I mean, even Bitcoin looked really risky six months ago for doing something like this. This was not an expected phenomenon for the vast majority of people out there. I think it's fascinating how many people just among my friends who are not really into crypto, now they're texting me, where do I buy Dogecoin? How do I get in? These are people who I may have long time ago spoken to about my thoughts on Bitcoin. And they thought, oh, it's spooky internet money. Don't want to touch it. Don't want to think about it. I'm wondering why are they trying to get into Dogecoin? The obvious answer is number go up. They're jealous of it. But there's also I think, a tangibility to the meme cryptocurrency. Like they don't really get crypto. They don't really want to deal with understanding what a blockchain is and how consensus mechanisms work and all that, which is important even for Dogecoin. But they see, you know, Shiba you know, they understand internet culture and Dogecoin uh, caters to the internet culture. And so they're buying in. And then with regard to the brands, I think one of the most fascinating things that I'm seeing is not just Slim Jim leading the charge with Snickers now following of really turning their brand into a Doge vehicle and really reaping the rewards of followers, but also brands beginning to accept Dogecoin as a payment option. I mean, we've seen Mark Cuban, he, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think he started accepting Doge for the Mavericks. He now has, I think it's either $150,000 or he's seen 150,000 transactions in Doge. And now I think yesterday, Newegg, a big electronics retailer, saying that they're going to accept Doge for their goods. So it's not just people saying number go up, although I think that really is a big part of it. It's also these brands actually embracing Dogecoin, even if it's just a kind of a branding exercise as a payments option. In Doge's case, the, the funniness and the cuteness takes out the spookiness of crypto out of that. You don't have to think about it so much. It's like, oh, funny Doge, much wow. But I'm actually curious, Adam, do you think that because of the way crypto works, because it's in fact this chaotic, decentralized thing where people organize themselves around things that they want to, now that all the attention is on Dogecoin, it can actually evolve as a technology, as an asset into something serious in all ways. I don't think technologically the Dogecoin blockchain is very advanced and uh, people are doing a lot of work on development. Maybe, you know, after a brief hype, it will be forgotten just as many meme-like things. Like, does anyone remember the coin called Yum? No. Certainly there's been enough attention put on it that there's an incentive, especially for the large holders. Dogecoin, contrary to what many people believe, is actually one of the most concentrated coins because it was so cheap for so long. 
I think that something like 40% of the total supply that's out there is held by just five wallets and 28% is held by a single wallet. From a concentration standpoint, certainly the question will be, are those actually available? Did somebody, you know, like stockpile a bunch and then lose those keys? If not, then there's a moment coming up where we'll probably see someone go from being a Dogecoin, you know, trillionaire into being a legitimate multimillionaire, if not a lot more. That's the kind of wild part about it on that side. From the uh, like technology side, I mean, there's enough attention around it. And, you know, when you've got the Mark Cubans of the world talking about this stuff and pushing it in real kind of commercial settings, like that's the type of attention that, you know, something like Doge has never really had. And so I would not at all be surprised if we saw that sort of thing start up. Now, the big question is, does this last, right? Is this sustainable? Probably not. Again, like this is such an old cryptocurrency that I've talked with a number of people who are like, yeah, I think I have a lot of Doge, but like, I don't even know where my... You know, I don't even know how to get access to it because it just didn't matter for so many years. And that's the thing is that although the blockchain keeps records of all of this stuff, like as humans, like we're not that great at that, right? If you don't care about something for five years, chances are pretty good that, you know, like unless you did a really good job of setting yourself up in the beginning, which most people didn't with Doge, that you've changed devices, that you've, you know, again, like so a lot of that stuff that's out there is lost. To Danny's point, why are people so interested in this? You know, I agree with Anna. I think that it's the approachability that sort of is inherent in the project and just kind of the cuteness of it that takes a lot of the fear out. That's the kind of short-term immediate reason, right? The longer-term reason is that we're living in a world that's increasingly driven by lottery ticket wins, right? Like, you don't want to work at a job. You want to win the lottery. And I don't mean the lottery like the actual lottery. I mean, like, you want to get lucky in some way that gives you a windfall of cash that makes it so you don't really have to work anymore. Like, that's kind of the way that upward mobility works, I think, in the area that we're in here. It's not about fundamentals. Reality is actually an inconvenience. Reality is actually an anchor that weighs on assets. And to the degree that you are real is to the degree that you are hampered by that reality. So Dogecoin doesn't have that problem. Again, like Bitcoin doesn't have that problem either in a lot of ways. But I mean, Dogecoin doesn't have that problem to the nth degree relative to Bitcoin. So I just think that it's a combination of factors. And really the question is, is have we passed a tipping point with this project? Is there enough attention and interest in it and like cultural memeiness about it that this is a new normal? Again, I think the chances of that being true are very, very low, but they're a lot higher this week than they were last. Geez, you've got me thinking about the nature of my own existence out here. Some heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Meet Interpop, a super team redefining the future of NFTs and fandom. From comics and trading card games to digital collectibles and everything in between, they are building the architecture of an entirely new landscape of fandom using technology built on the Tezos blockchain to drive their vision. Visit hellointerpop.io to learn more. That's hellointerpop.io to learn more. With the Sun Exchange, you can easily earn Bitcoin while making a positive impact. Visit thesunexchange.com slash coindesk to buy solar cells and automatically lease them to power businesses, schools, and other organizations in sunny emerging markets. You'll earn Bitcoin for 20 years from the clean energy you generate while offsetting your carbon footprint. Get a free solar cell with your first purchase at thesunexchange.com slash coindesk. That's thesunexchange.com slash coindesk. 
Adam, so I have a serious question for you here. If I'm a developer of, say, a stablecoin project or some crypto project, and I have kind of grand ambitions to really preserve privacy and look after these kind of talking points in the crypto world, a store of value, etc., how should I think about the Dogecoin phenomenon? Because surely what this proves is that the fundamentals of your product production are not as important as maybe your kind of meme strategy on crypto Twitter. So if I'm sort of resources, got finite resources for a project, should I maybe be putting more of those resources into meme management than in actual product management? I mean, it's a good question. Reality of it is, is that, like I said, memes are kind of the perfect vehicle for all of this stuff because they are so unreal. They are, you know, engaging and yet they have no tangible reality behind them. So I think there's a strong argument, just again, looking at the environment that we're in. And this is something that happens to crypto frequently, right? Which is that the narrative runs away from the technology and the narrative becomes the thing that matters. And the technology, again, is the reality that weighs on the narrative, right? So definitely there are concerns around that. To the point about like as a developer of like projects, what should I do? I think that honestly what we're seeing is that there's an earned press opportunity around using something like Dogecoin as a way to become part of that. I think that the, the balance to be had there, at least if I were doing it, would be to integrate Doge in some way that allows me to make myself part of that bigger narrative or my company or my project while not relying on it for the things that I really want a blockchain for, right? So maybe that means you integrate it as a payment method. Maybe it means you integrate it as an off-chain tipping system that then resolves into Doge so that you can have kind of, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how much it costs to send uh, transactions on-chain on Doge these days. It's probably still pretty cheap. But yeah, I think that that's it. I think that's what we're seeing with companies like Newegg and, and kind of all of these different plays, right? Is that they want to be able to make an announcement about it and draw attention in this moment where there's so much focus on it. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing it as like a new main business line or they think that's where they're going to get their revenue. It means that they think that there's an earned press opportunity. And this is something we've seen with cryptocurrency adoption broadly over the last dozen years. I don't expect that to change. And what typically happens is that the first companies that announce in these type of environments get very good returns. More and more and more companies do it, which makes it so that it's not very newsworthy. And eventually you get to a point where why even bother making an announcement? Or if you do make an announcement, then certainly outlets like Coindesk don't care. Because we've already heard from 25 companies that are bigger than you that have done the same thing. And we're not interested in them either at that point. So that's where we are. We're at the very kind of start of this intense focus on Dogecoin as something that's beyond a kind of internet meme, you know, and a dead cryptocurrency largely. And now we're looking at people taking advantage of that and trying to figure out how do I make the Dogecoin narrative work for the thing that I want to accomplish? Because it turns out to be pretty good for that. But it all started with Elon Musk in this new cycle. People reminded themselves what Dogecoin is because Elon Musk started tweeting about it, no? I mean, that may well be true. I think that there were a number of people who started at a similar time. You know, it's interesting. Like, I was looking at some of Elon Musk's tweets about it, and he had a tweet uh, last summer, so coming up on a year ago, that was basically saying that Dogecoin is going to take over the modern financial system and it's inevitable, right? And so at the time, I do not think he was serious about that. I think that it was a joke. But I think that Elon Musk is a person who is very good at attracting attention, is very good at sort of capitalizing on meme moments. And so again, like my expectation is he's going to continue to pour gas on this fire <laughs> and see what he can get out of it for him and Tesla. I will not be surprised if Tesla starts to accept Dogecoin. Um, and again, it won't be because people want to buy Teslas with Dogecoin. It'll be because it'll be that earn press event. But that would amplify, again, this narrative that's growing, which is that maybe this thing is sustainable. 
maybe if enough of these companies do it. But again, like, I don't think you're going to see, you know, like the general electrics of the world getting into this, right? I don't think you're going to see the like pension funds getting into this. I don't think you're going to see the, the big Wall Street banks start to, you know, pitch this to their customers in the way that they've only recently really started to do with Bitcoin. That could happen, but that would just tell me that we're way further along this, you know, like crazy path than even I think that we are. And honestly, I think we're pretty far along this crazy path. I don't think that there's really any chance uh, that Elon Musk would ever run a node or Tesla would accept Dogecoin because, you know, when you just think about it for a second, of course they would. But then, you know, he hates the SEC. He hates his lawyers. He hates having a cap on his Twitter presence. But as soon as he actually starts holding Dogecoin and as soon as his company starts actually having a presence in it, all of his tweets, which have arguably so far or perhaps arguably in front of a judge, been about the Dogecoin standard, that big cloud of sand is taking over the world. Yeah. All of that could be seen in a different light of, you know, a deranged billionaire who's pumping his bags. And he is doing nothing if not pumping his bags when it comes to Dogecoin. It's just not clear if his bags are in there. So I feel like in terms of, you know, the chief proponent, the chief Dogecoin officer, I think he actually was his appointed title for a while there. He's actually put himself at a corner where he might not even be able to touch the meme asset that he's hyped up for so long. I'm just speculating here. Again, there's no, contrary to unpopular belief, there are no plans to uh, launch Dogecoin futures contracts on the Chicago mercantile, nor should there be. But um, (laughs) barring that, I don't think that it would be advisable for him to actually get involved with Dogecoin other than to uh, clout chase on Twitter. Yeah, my sense is that uh, Elon Musk does not base his decision making on what he should or shouldn't do. Of course not. Yeah. So (laughs) the reality of it is, is that cryptocurrencies are still an unregulated space as far as this stuff goes. So even a public company taking these assets on board, it's not really something that's the government's business right now. It's not like there's concern about insider trading or anything like that. Now, ethically, obviously, there are parallels. um, And ethically, there are obviously concerns. But that kind of doesn't change the fact that Elon Musk and Elon Musk, right? And uh, <laughs> I, I forgot know, like, to account for the fact that it is inevitable that he will do this. I mean, he's just demonstrated over the years that he doesn't take any of this stuff seriously, right? There was a conference dedicated to Dogecoin in 2018, by the way, I think. Hmm. I just started covering crypto back then, and I couldn't really like evaluate information like that back then. But there was an event called Dogecoin. I think it was somewhere in Canada and people were tweeting like a hell lot of uh, like meme mm. tweets out of that. We didn't cover that at Coindesk, but there was such a thing and people were like joking that Dogecoin is more important than consensus. Like that, <laughs> that's the future. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a question for the group. At what point do you guys think that Dogecoin, the crypto, kind of overtook Doge the meme? Because we've definitely reached a point where Doge the meme is second to Doge the crypto. Did that happen earlier in this market? Is it though? I would say so. I mean, nowadays, I think you almost can't remove Doge from the crypto. I don't remember the last time I saw a Doge meme that didn't have to do with Dogecoin. That might just be because I'm plugged into the crypto Twitter hellscape, but I really can't remember the last time that I saw this meme kind of exist outside of the crypto. No, I think if you take the Doge out of the Dogecoin, it totally loses the, the most of its value. It, it's not cute anymore. What, what's the point? I think it's hard to separate the two. I mean, uh, it's synonymous together. I mean, 
I think that it's hard for uh, people like us to assess this because we have such proximity bias because we, as uh, Danny said, like immerse ourselves in the kind of crypto side of things. But the reality of it is, is that it kind of doesn't matter. Like they're self-feeding, right? Like to the degree that Doge the meme is popular, well, it makes Dogecoin, you know, have a larger kind of fertile base to work with, right? To the extent that Dogecoin is more predominant, well, it brings more attention to the Shibu Inu, you know, to the Doge meme itself. So I think that's kind of the story of all of this right now, is that Doge is in a moment right now where there's all of these different factors that are coming together to amplify each other. And then it's creating this cycle that is sort of pushing attention up, which pushes price up. And I mean, again, today we're recording this on, you know, 420, uh, which has been renamed Doge Day. Uh, And the idea here is that because, you know, Doge is a meme and the internet memes are meme magic, that we're going to see Doge go to 69 cents today, because why not? That would be the funniest possible outcome. And that uh, has been a point that Elon Musk has made a number of times, which is that that's like what this is about. It's about what is the funniest possible outcome. That is the one that the internet will likely deliver in this circumstance. And honestly, it's an article of faith. It's an article of faith, you know, that the way that the internet works is in some kind of, at least internal sense, logical, and that it has some type of rationality that leads us towards this most absurd outcome. I don't think we know that that is true. And in fact, I think we'll find that this is an illusion, just like many of the other things that we grapple with within this space. Uh, But certainly for today, it is the illusion to beat. Maybe that's a good last question for the group then. Uh, Where do we expect Doge to go from here? Will it continue to be a phenomenon or do you think this will uh, burn out in time? Anna, where do you think we'll be in six months? That's a tough one. As funny as these meme things are, I'm always a bit skeptical about them. And so I believe as soon as the main meme generators of this hype, like Elon Musk and others, uh, lose interest and maybe switch their attention to something else, it's all going to crash, but it's just my unqualified opinion. Danny? I think that there's enough strength in memes that this will continue at its current pace. I don't know for six months. Starting with today, I don't think we're going to pass 42 cents. I think there's a lot of profit takers who are waiting to cash out every time it hits that window. But in the long term, I can't imagine a world where Doge goes back under one cent. I also can't imagine a world where Doge goes up above $1. Basically, I lack in creativity and I'm not (laughs) going to make it in this space. It's hard to have that big an imagination. Uh, Adam, what do you think? I don't know. It's a tough question. Probably put it at about a 25% chance that this is a new normal. And if this is a new normal, then the possibility of going to a dollar, which has kind of been the big dream, which, you know, two months ago seemed pretty ridiculous as an idea. I mean, like, you know, the amount of doublings that it took to get from where Dogecoin was at the start of the year to where it is today is like exponentially more than you need to get from where we are today to a dollar, right? We basically need to go up another one and a half times. And that is a ridiculous thing to think about. But it also means that, again, it's that tipping point, right? Like where is the, is the line? And does technology matter? Does any of this stuff really matter just beyond the joke? Or is the joke important enough? Again, now it's being traded in Robinhood and kind of all of these other more traditional sort of venues for people who really have no idea about the technology. So I think it's very hard to say that, no, this is definitively not going to be a thing. Like I said, I think 25% chance this is the new normal. Doge has been around for already so many years. If anything happens, it's certainly not going to disappear. It's just a matter of if it will stay at this ridiculous level or achieve new heights. 
So there's a thing that I have for a long time said in the crypto space, specifically about Doge, actually, before we got to this, which is that old coins never die. They just get cheap enough to pump. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, this could be that. At the beginning of this thing, just a couple of months ago, like it was really, really, really cheap. You were looking at like half a penny for a Doge, right? And so now we're up almost 100 times from that. And again, not sustainable, but who knows? We're in a ridiculous time and it's really hard to bet against, you know, what consensus seems to be. The abstract surrealist cycle. <laughs> exactly. The era of surrealism. The meme consensus. Oh, I like it. The end of meeting. <laughs> All right. That's good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for joining the podcast. And this has been Opinionated and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller. This episode featured Anna Badakova, Danny Nelson, Adam B. Levine, and host Ben Schiller. Today's show has been produced and announced by Michelle Musso. Did you enjoy the show? We would love to hear what you think. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred service and talk to us directly via email at podcasts at coindesk.com.